congratulations, you survived a war. Now we're gonna ice pick your eyes. Welcome to Indecorous Podcast. Indecorous means not in good taste. 9-11 was a gender reveal. <laughs> Indecent. Bunch of lunatics with morbid senses of humor. Immoral. You don't have the money to bulldoze this building? Just draw Muhammad all over the place. <laughs> Somebody will blow that shit up. Shameless. I'd let my bush grow because it's kind of one of those lots for love type of situations. Impolite. People always fingering, but I'm like, you know what? My finger's always hard. I don't get whiskey fingers. And beyond the pale. What you wearing down on your toes? All right, guys, before we do anything else, we have corrections and clarifications, all right? And this was not now, don't worry, it's not really a correction or clarification because I just didn't have anywhere else to put this. But someone pointed out that on episode 77, we had the question, what's your favorite comedy show that you've ever been to? You guys remember that? That you, that you weren't yeah. on. Oh, right yeah, and yeah. and uh, Bobby, you mentioned <laughs> Louis C.K., Bill Burr, all all of the problematic all the problematic comedians. comedians. But somebody <laughs> pointed out that Ian didn't get to say what his was. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank Ian you. did not get a chance. And I, I will say this: I was just assuming it was whatever last open mic you shot Josh Gogan at, because Josh no. Gogan is your favorite <laughs> comedian of all time. No, but no, I... in case it wasn't, I do want to give Ian a chance to say what was your favorite stand-up comedy show that you've yeah. ever seen and, it live and tell us why it's your hero bill cosby <laughs> yeah that's right why is it somebody <laughs> even more problematic than everybody bobby yeah, mentioned <laughs> i really appreciate the question this is a this is a this is a good one my favorite show i've ever seen in person that i wasn't on it was a debbie millwater produced show in and, okay, that, and you all know who Debbie is. <laughs> all right. See, I, I mentioned Josh Gogan, and then you trumped me with an even more obscure reference. Uh, okay, so a little, little back of the room for people that know. You're familiar with Corrado shows, right, Carlos? <laughs> for those of you who don't know Debbie Millwater, that's Johnny Millwater's wife. So it's basically a, a kind of like a local comics type of show and not quite a bringer because people were showing up expecting to see this anyway. But they do this like monthly or bi-monthly kind of show where it's mostly local comics. And it's usually kind of a big time hit or miss. But on this particular night, there was something magical that happened. And it's probably the hardest I've ever laughed at a comedy show. And I think for most of the people in the audience, probably the same thing. So this poor dude gets on stage. 9-11-2001. So I, I couldn't tell you the guy's name, but he was definitely an open mic level, probably first or second time on stage ever. And it was actually a pretty packed crowd. So this added to the obvious anxiety of the situation but he takes the mic and he's real nervous looking and his first bit was back in the day i used to have a real stuttering problem and i'd always have this bully that used to fuck with me and every time i saw him he'd come up to me and be like hey you little pussy with the stuttering problem why don't you go fuck off and i was always like and then the guy started stuttering in his little act out as if he was trying to simulate the interaction with him and his bully but in the middle of his act out of stuttering the stuttering that he has apparently overcome in, in real life has reemerged on stage in front of the crowd. <laughs> and he gets in this fucking rabbit hole tailspin of he starts stuttering and can't fucking stop until he can't get the next word out or the next word. And he's just going, adieu, 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 adieu. And it, it looked like this act out at first, but it became kind of obvious that he was now paralyzed by his own voice. <laughs> oh and he just God. kept going and going and stuttering for like literally three fucking minutes straight. And the crowd was hysterically laughing, thinking it was all a bit. <laughs> and then they realized it wasn't a bit and they were more laughing at him. And then the whole thing yeah, just became incredibly awkward. And there was like a third pass of laughter 
laughing at the meta of the situation that happened. So it was just, it was like the <laughs> deepest sort of rabbit hole recursive fucking bit I've ever seen in my life. Wow. It was crazy. And he never made it out of the rabbit hole. If you're wondering, did he ever correct the tailspin? No, he fucking crashed and burned to the point that Stebby came out and awkwardly clapped and kind of ushered him off the stage. And he was like in tears yeah, by the end of the Because she bit. left her little like cane hook thing at home. <laughs> it was a, a metaphorical yeah. cane hooking. And I've never seen anything before or since that was as crazy or as bizarre. And because I have a pretty sick sense of humor, I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. That is very funny, actually, because it, that it is, is that is good. It is one of those things where they say if you're gonna do something like that, like on purpose, like if you're doing it on purpose, you gotta really commit to it and you gotta do it for a long time because there's like waves to it. It's kind of funny at the beginning. Then it starts getting old. If you keep at it, it'll become funny again because you've just been persistent enough. But if this guy is literally stuck there, then it's going to go even way past the it was funny again. Exactly. That's what made it so special to me because it hit these levels of meta comedy I've never seen before. It became very Kaufman-esque, if you will. Yeah, that is very funny. I will say I still stand by my answer from episode 77, but what that does remind me of is one time at a show that may or may not have been run by the same person, Debbie Millwater. I'm not sure, but this was back in the days when I was an open micer at the little comedy club outside of Charlotte and Matthews. We had an open mic and there was this blind dude that would come out and do stand-up at the open mics and actually our buddy rob wagman which you know again another reference <laughs> everybody's gonna get he was the host <laughs> of that particular open mic and blind guy went up and just would not get off the stage and that's when i realized oh you can't light you can't light a blind a guy because he can't see the light. So there was like no getting him off. There was no signaling. For those of you who are not familiar with just the protocols of stand-up comedy, when it's time for you to get off the stage, somebody shines a light from the back of the room, and it either indicates that you're done or you have like a minute left. But if you're blind, there is no light oh, that man. you can see. So this guy just kept going and going and going. So eventually what we just had to do was, it was almost like the whole audience had to unify as one and just be like, all right, whatever joke he tells next, we just have to clap really, really hard. So it provides <laughs> enough of a pause for Rob to go up and, on stage and, and be able to, stage. yeah, exactly. So that's basically <laughs> what he had to do. He told some joke and he probably got the biggest ovation he's ever had in his entire life, and which gave Rob enough of an in to physically touch him and tell him his time yeah. was up. And then uh, after the show, Blind Guy was all pissed and I don't think he ever came back to another open mic again. I've been saying for years that comedy is an able-bodied man's game. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I think that's both of our points too. Like if you got to start... Like, hey, all you stuttering blind fuckers, stay away from the stand-up So this might be the first ever standing innovation done out of courtesy. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to episode 79 of Indecorous Comedy. This is episode 29 of season two. Indecorous Comedy is a reprehensively distinguished educational comedy show you the smartest lowbrow or dirtiest highbrow podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Carlos Valencia. North by northwest of me, we have Bobby D. Yo. And south by southwest of me, we have Ian. Ripping those crazy directions. That's right. Today, we'll be answering listener questions, talking about indecorous news. We'll be diving deep into the indecorous history of the lobotomy. And we'll close it all out with South Carolina state laws. 
But before we get into any of that, let's welcome our guest today, Mr. Dusty Slay. Dusty, how you doing, sir? All right, we're having a good time. That's right, we're having a good time. We just had a conversation before the podcast started that you had some appendix issues, but it seems like you had it under control, okay? Like, we don't have to have 911 on call here in case something happens. Yeah, no, I think I'm okay. I mean, I, I usually think about, you know, every one or two days, I'm like, well, is this, am I going to the, go to the hospital today? And, you know, I'm not a hospital person. I got shot in the chest with a BB gun when I was five, and I spent a night in the hospital. And that's the only time I've been in the hospital since. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Oh, damn. my God. So I had about 33 years where I had no hospital visits. I felt like that was a pretty good streak. I hate to break it. Yeah, that's a good run. Yeah. Did you have health insurance throughout these years? Because I, I know I, I went without health. When I started doing stand-up, basically, I went about 15 years without health insurance. Well, I've had health insurance here and there. Like I was on my mom's insurance, you know, for a lot of that time. Yeah. And then I had a job uh, where I was a salaried employee selling pesticides and uh, I had insurance then. Okay. But I haven't had insurance for a while. I have it again now, look, thankfully, but I didn't have it for a long time. Yeah, but you were fortunately just, you didn't even need it. You're healthy this whole time. Yeah, I've been doing great. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe stuff's been building up in me this whole time, but uh, I've been feeling great. I don't even get sick. That's great, dude. I, I would That would happen to me like when I was on the road, especially catching colds and shit like that, because, you know, you stand outside and shaking people's hands and shit. And, you know, obviously you're supposed to wash your hands and or do the whole sanitizer thing, but I would forget. I would always come back. Well, not always, but I would often come back home with colds and shit. Oh, yeah. Dude, so going back to what you were saying earlier, Dusty, about never getting sick or anything, I got to say for sober comics, just being on the road and meeting people and shaking hands and all that stuff and constantly getting exposed to germs, I could totally see how somebody like yourself never gets sick, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I used to drink, I would get sick all the time. And uh, yeah. not all the time, but you know, I'd be hung over a lot. But I'd usually get the flu like once a year. But now that I don't drink, I mean, yeah, I feel like maybe I'm able to take in those germs that I'm meeting on the road and, and deal with them. Yeah. But when I was hung over all the time, my body was like, all right, it's either the germs or the alcohol. We can only deal with so many things. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it is with me because, I mean, I still drink. I mean, I was telling somebody, I think it was Adam Deggy we had on, and I, we were talking about he's been doing shows post-COVID, and I remember before COVID, uh, you know, if I was hammered enough and it was the, the end of the show, and you know how sometimes people just order a drink at the end of the show but never just leave almost a whole f i would fucking take the whole beer oh yeah like i would just take it off a table and just drink it myself because like, i don't you, you can't get let this go to waste oh yeah There's no fucking <laughs> way i'm ever doing it again man not now that's what they say the real sign of an alcoholic is that's what i always did i never wanted a drink to go unfinished it bothered me me too if my friend <laughs> left his drink half full i'm like come on dude you know yeah just down it <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take these cigarette butts out it's fine yeah exactly <laughs> all right guys well we're gonna open it up with the segment we always open it with we say questions sent from our millions of listeners around the world we accept all questions sent to us but we rarely have an answer for any of them number one question is always where do i send questions and that's in decorous comedy at gmail.com or through our social media facebook instagram and decorous comedy twitter at indecorous pod patreon an indecorous comedy. And how do you spell indecorous, Bobby? That's I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. That is right. And our first question comes from Sean. Sean asks, 
if you you're gonna have to follow this if you drink two five hour energies do you get 10 hours of energy or five hours of double energy oh it's like crack cocaine basically you take two bumps of coke i mean yeah. Well, you're going to have to explain this. We haven't all done crack cocaine, Ian, so you're going to have to explain <laughs> so a little bit We're not further. all doing it right now. Yeah. Okay. Argyle so meth. Like crack cocaine, you, know. you guys know. Whether it's PCP, argyle meth, crack cocaine, same principle applies. When you do something like this, it's an upper. It tends to get you all at once. It makes you want to fight people you see that would otherwise be your friends or family. It's a fun time. Yeah, I say it's kind of like trying to uh, bake something at double the temperature in half the time. And it's, <laughs> it's just not a good idea. <laughs> okay, you're just going to burn out. Yeah. Yeah, I think like two and a half hours of double the energy and then like two and a half hours of shakes and going, <laughs> man, I should have drank two of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll regret. Let me get some food. Maybe a sandwich will calm me down. Can I put something <laughs> in my stomach to soak up that energy? Right. <laughs> When I used to park cars, we had this guy that worked for Five Hour Energy that he would tip in cases of it. So oh, I've never bought the product at all, but my favorite part about that was when they came out with Six Hour Power, one of their competitors. Wow. Oh, they beat him by an hour? Yeah, yeah, they beat him by an hour. Why are you going to pay for five when you can get six? And why go for energy when you can have power? <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> gets to eight then we can find a way to make people work a double shift <laughs> right yeah it'll just be a benefit <laughs> yeah who really needs energy if you have the power if you're in power you just delegate that's right you don't you don't even need to use energy because you got the power that's fucking yeah exactly yeah six hour power comes with a chair for you to sit in and watch people work <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's the answer to that one. Now, Jennifer has her second question. Jennifer asks, what would a post-social media world look like? So I'm assuming she means if Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these just shut down, what would it look like? Wouldn't it and just be like our childhood? I mean, I, just happy times with friends and in-person stuff? I That was my first reaction. It would be like, well, it would be just like, it was before all this, but I think social media has influenced the way we behave enough already that it wouldn't just go revert back to the way it was before. The thing is, I don't know if it's the same uh, for, I don't know, I always have a problem describing non-comedians. Civilians, can we call non-comedians civilians? Is that a proper? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I think it would be different from a civilian as opposed to somebody that's a comic or just in the entertainment business where you kind of have to have an outlet for your creative output. So as far as artists are concerned, I think even considering all the negatives that come with social media, it really would hurt artists' ability to get their name out there. So sure. I think even though it might be beneficial for society as a whole, maybe, I think for artists, it would definitely not be beneficial, in my opinion. I think everyone under 30 would not know how to date. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I also agree with you about hurting artists. But I think no one under 30 would be able to date. I just realized that I have a friend who's never been in the dating world without a dating app. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great point. Remember, remember back in the day when if you met somebody from the Internet, it was the weirdest shit ever? Like, holy shit, watch out. You're going to get fucking murdered. But yeah. 
That's how yeah. everybody's meeting people now. Now you like, do the murdering. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, murdering's gotten so easy. I don't know how I'll yeah. murder after <laughs> social media breaks down. I remember like seeing a girl in a bar and like hoping she was still there by the time I had enough to drink to be drunk enough to talk to her. <laughs> right. Like I'm on drink one. Don't leave. <laughs> Give me a second. Yep. I got to find my confidence. <laughs> How about you? Ian? You're not actively doing stand up or anything like what is the appeal of social media for you? And how how much do you think it would change your life if you got yeah, off of it? Speaking as the most pedestrian here, I would say. Yeah, as a civilian. It, <laughs> it's it's, it's got to be the cat memes, right? I mean, if I can't get kitty cat memes on the rig, That's then, right. you know, I'm feeling a little sad. And I love clicking that downvote button on Reddit. Whenever I see something that boils my blood, it gives me this sense of superiority, godlike powers whenever I can just click downvote, downvote. So. A downvote is a good time. A downvote is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, social media is where people that don't create anything go to shit on people that do. <laughs> I'm not active on Reddit, but I just recently started posting on, uh, what is it, Imgur? Im Imgur, right, yeah. Imgur, and you can get downvotes on that shit. And I'm oh, like, what yeah. the, so now I'm getting like a like, well, what the fuck's your problem? You know, like I'm just used to the positive feedback, not used to the negative feedback. But I can see why Facebook never added a downvote. It's because like there's enough people fighting on Facebook already, let alone. Yeah. If fucking... yeah. They must do wonders for people's mental health. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like a YouTube video where it's like almost all likes and then like one thumbs down. And I'm just like, yeah. what? What's that person's deal? Yeah. Like, why yeah. <laughs> Why would they like, nah, this video is not for me. And not only is it not for me, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that other people think it's not for them. <laughs> right, right. It's like, you got to make it known. Like, because I, I remember I posted this a long time ago on Facebook. It's like, you know what happens when I see a post on Facebook that I don't like? You know what I do is I just don't like it. And then I move on with my life. Yeah. But to downvote or to actually give a thumbs down, that's an active thing that you're doing. You're taking the time. You know, it's just an instant, but it's still, you're making an active thing of not liking something. Yeah, I mean, urinating in someone's cornflakes digitally is like, it's a real high. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like I made a video about Last Comic Standing about getting on there, but not really getting on there. And I put it on YouTube and I got like one downvote. I'm like, who is this? NBC, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right. but it, I mean, they, they probably thought it was really funny when you showed up at their house. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 When you sent the SWAT team over to NBC's house. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to move on to our third question. This comes from Marquita. She asks, how do people live their lives without partaking in marijuana every day, all day? I'm going to have to leave this one to you guys, because as much as I enjoy weed, I don't do it every day. But how about you guys? I don't know. I don't know what your habits are. Dusty, do you still smoke? Uh, I like to say that I do CBD. And, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think to answer that question, I think if you're doing it every day and then you're not doing it, you think, how could I ever go without doing this every day? But after you don't do it for a few days, you're like, oh, why was I high all the time? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah but I, I think that it, it goes back and forth. And then if you take enough time without doing it and you go back, you go, oh, this is why I was doing it all the time. It's that much more enjoyable when you give it a little break, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, people people need to have some sort of way to delineate the birthday sex from the regular sex and the 
marijuana from the non-marijuana because if you go down that rabbit hole deep enough, then it's like every day is birthday sex. Now you want a donkey punch and every day is marijuana. Now you want to lace it with cocaine <laughs> yeah. or heroin. Yeah. So you just, you can't live like that. And then you start doing crack and assume everybody else is doing crack and you just use it for examples. <laughs> yes, yeah. slippery slope, bro. Right. I actually, I've had friends. I say it as a joke, but it really is true that I don't smoke weed on the regular. I just smoke it when it's around. But because I do stand-up comedy, it's around. Yeah. So, so I sm- then that's when I usually would get highs because oh, one of the comic that I'm working with has weed, or I'm at a show where at least some comics gonna have weed. So they're like, "Hey, you want to smoke?" Yeah, sure. But I do know and have a lot of friends that smoke every day. But quite a few of them say, "Yeah, I just smoke weed because." It just keeps me chill. I'm not smoking weed to get high out of my mind. I'm just trying to remain level. And like, I can understand that because I take Prozac and I'm not taking it because it makes me super happy every day. It just keeps me from being continuously anxious. So I can understand how some people might just smoke weed almost, even if it's not technically medicinal, it kind of is because it's just what keeps you functional. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Weed is so weird though, because sometimes I'm like... I'm about to edit a video, but, you know, it'd be fun to edit if I edited this video high Mm -hmm. and then I get high and I go up too high. Now I can't do anything. (laughs) Now I got to walk around in the yard and convince myself that I am worth what I'm doing. I am worthy, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I've had had that. And and part of it, too, is because I don't smoke on the reg. When I do smoke, I get very, very high. So it doesn't take much to get me super high. And of course, you know, you get like, oh, shit, start coming up with ideas. But very rarely have I had an idea that I've written high that actually I thought was worthy sober. Like I write all this shit and then I'm like, ah, I guess it was funny when I was really high, but I don't know if it's going to work when I'm, you know. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like what? And it, I've written things out in detail and go back and read it and go, I, what What am I talking about here? You ever have a, you ever come up with it? This happens to me actually semi regularly where you come up with a joke in a dream and you think, like, this is fucking hilarious. And then you wake up and then it's not funny at all or it just doesn't make sense. Have you had that happen? I feel like I have. I couldn't pinpoint it, but I, I feel like I have. Because I remember, do you ever have lucid dreams? Like, you know that you're dreaming? No. No. I mean, I'd, I want to say yeah, because I think I have one time, but I don't really. I have it all the time. Oh, have you, Ian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably half the time. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I'm probably at least at that level where I'm like, I'm, oh, I'm, wow. I'm dreaming right now. What sucks about it is that even though I know I'm dreaming, I still can't control it. Like you would think like, oh, I'm dreaming. Okay, I can fucking just punch through this wall. And no, I still can't fucking punch through the wall. Yeah, it's like, what, what good is it to know that you're dreaming if you can't control exactly. it? Exactly. It's like having the energy, but not having the power. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well- Ian, you've got a bunch of dream felonies. What's that like? <laughs> yeah. So whenever you're you know, kind of aware in your dreams that you're in a dream, it's kind of you're always wanting something awesome and gnarly to happen, but it never does. So you have this constant state of disappointment because you realize you're in this godlike state where you can make stuff and then it's just like you're ordering a hot dog at a ball game and you're like, why am I doing this? I'm yeah. doing something way more rad. So I get uh, yeah. most, mostly disappointed. 
imagine that you're having this lucid dream and you go, oh, I know I'm dreaming. And then you like murder someone and then you're like, oh, whoops, yeah. <laughs> not a dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the answer to that one. Thank you, Marquia, for that question. <laughs> We're going to go to our second segment of the podcast. It is Indecorous News. It's a segment where we highlight the most important news happening across the United States and all over the world. After you listen to this segment, you will never have to listen to another newscast ever again in your entire life. This first story, the headline is, Man pleads guilty to placing dead animals on neighbor's gravestone dressed like a woman. <laughs> so, Ian, you can give us a little bit more details about this story. Alrighty. An old dude accused of leaving more than a dozen dead animals on an old neighbor's grave pleaded guilty Monday. Joseph Stroud, 79, agreed to a plea deal, lowering his charges from a felony to a misdemeanor. He is accused of causing more than $2,500 in damages to a former neighbor's headstone by staining it with the blood of dead animals. Interesting. Yeah, is this a is this a common thing? Have you guys heard of this kind of a retaliation? Oh, animal sacrifices, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I would say this really picked up at the end. I think that leading story, right? That headline should be man, man sacrifices animals. All right. Yeah, what? ancient Incan. <laughs> At first, I thought that he was like had these taxidermy animals and he was dressing them up like women and leaving them on the gravestone. <laughs> I kind of, I, I actually, I kind of like that story, too, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it changes at the end. This guy's out in the graveyard with a knife and a and an animal <laughs> screaming. <laughs> what better way to honor your favorite bestiality porn actor, you know? Yeah. It sounds like he may be trying to bring them back to life. <laughs> That's right. The yeah. guy was trying to help, actually. That, that would be the ultimate twist here. Yeah. What if that's what he said in court? I'm sorry, Your Honor. I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Trying to bring him back to life. But I, I, I actually had the same reaction after reading the headline and after reading this, what we just read when I was posting this. I was like, whoa. I, I thought he was just picked up some roadkill and dropped it off. But he's fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking writing with the blood of these well, Bobby, you can tell us a little bit more about it. Stroud was arrested in August after he was caught on surveillance video dressed in overalls and a woman's wig placing dead animals on the headstone, police said. He was charged with defacing objects of public respect. According to a report filed in the circuit court of Benton County, the granddaughter of Fred Allen McKinney, a woman not likely to be a virgin, if rumors are to be believed, contacted police in July after she and her family began finding dead animals on her grandfather's grave two months prior. It is unknown if she tried to seduce any of the officers that answered her call. Yeah, so, so yeah, this dude, I mean, I think it's almost adorable how old dudes try to circumvent the law. Like, this guy's like, I'm gonna wear a wig, nobody's ever gonna figure this shit out. <laughs> Let alone that he looks exactly like he did. Because they did have a picture, and he's like, yeah, it's just like an old dude in overalls. But he put a he put a wig on, and he was like, "Yeah, this is my fucking master of disguise. Nobody will ever figure out yeah. what I'm doing this it's shit." It's just his idea of cross dressing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's the girl's grandfather? I mean, what what do we know about this guy? Oh, it's Fred Allen McKinney. What's he up to? Why is this guy? What was their beef when they were alive? 
I'm picturing like a VFW kind of argument to dudes <laughs> yeah. talking shit. And one guy's <laughs> like, I'm going to piss on your gravestone whenever you die, motherfucker. And their guy's like, okay, I'm going to have to up the ante. <laughs> I, I like that his initials are fam. Uh, oh, right. yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Dusty, you can do the last paragraph there of the story. Okay, I think it's only good because I don't read well out loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she told police then that her grandfather and Stroud, who had farms next to each other with a shared boundary for several years, never got along with each other. As part of the plea agreement, Stroud must also surrender his driver's license because the dude is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Stroud has been given one year suspended sentence and will have to pay more than 2500 in victim restitution, but probably won't because you know how old people are. <laughs> yeah, this dude's never going to pay that money. You know that old dudes never pay. That's great. That makes me laugh. <laughs> I think the hero in this story could have been just an electric fence. A couple of old dudes getting their balls zapped a few times would teach them where the damn line was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. O old people are like that too, man. My grandmother had excellent credit, but she had like some outstanding $30 bill for some cable company. She's like, let them come after me. I'm fucking 90 years old. I don't need another mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the freedoms that, first of all, I don't think I'm going to make it to old age, but if I ever did, that's one of the things I look forward to is that don't give a fuck attitude that old yeah. people have. You know what I mean? Oh, the like phase the, where you can just cuss out children and it's perfectly socially acceptable. Yeah, nobody gives a fuck. And, it's like, and but the other part of it is that because you're so old, you're kind of like non-threatening. It's like, ah, what's this old yeah. dude going to do? You know what I mean? But also you can get away with saying all kinds of crazy shit. So the, I think the real missed opportunity with this whole situation was that nobody made a documentary of when both of them were alive. Like that's yeah, the documentary yeah. I would want to see, dude. The fucking Hatfield and McCoy fucking fight of these two guys for their entire lives. And then Just, the fucking documentary ends with this fucking dude spilling squirrel blood on the goddamn test. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that shit ran deep, too, because he was driving by that gravestone every day like that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And where, where's he getting these animals at? <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's just got squirrel blood on tap. <laughs> This guy actually set traps so he can have animals to <laughs> sacrifice at this guy's headstone. And that's the other thing about old people. Well, I guess it goes both ways. Some some old people are chill as fuck and they're like, ah, I'm all who gives a fuck. And then some are like, ah, I'm bitter to the fucking bitter end. I like to picture this guy crouched down behind another grave when the family visits, you know, <laughs> just with a woman's wig on, just like staring at him. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he's probably not even hiding. He's like, I got this wig. They'll never recognize Yeah, me. yeah. He's got his own flowers. He's trying to cry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fact that's, that hatred inspired an old man to go into drag, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. He's just yeah. looking for a really good excuse yeah. when he gets caught doing his drag, you know? Well, actually, you know what? When you put it that way, Ian, this is actually a story about tolerance. You know, the guy, this dude, this is how this old dude learned to understand transvestites. Yeah, they're like, why are you dress like that? He's like, oh, I'm just dropping off dead animals at the grave, you know? <laughs> when I come to this cool club where they accept people of all kinds, sure, why not? <laughs> All right, we're going to do story number two. The headline here is China gave U.S. diplomats anal COVID tests, quote, in error, <laughs> American officials say. And Ian, you can tell us a little bit more about this. All right. The Chinese government has promised to stop using anal swabs on American diplomats to test for COVID-19. 
after Washington complained that the practice was, quote, undignified, the U.S. State Department said. The State Department never agreed to this kind of testing and protested directly to the Minister of Foreign Affairs when we learned that some staff were subject to it. Sweet Papa Man, a State Department spokesperson told Vice World News. I mean, here's the thing, though, is like, do, do the Chinese have very different views on inserting shit in people's asses that they never thought like, oh, you know, they might not be cool with this. It's always an accident. You know, you're like, whoops, sorry, I didn't mean to put that there. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these testers were like, wrong hole. Sorry, wrong hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I would argue that the whole world has become less tolerant of that because that is how they used to get people's temperatures sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, a, what? There's more, another way? It's technically <laughs> a more effective test. But I think that in China, there's some cultural norms that we don't quite understand here. Like the number four is their version of the number 13. The anal swab test is kind of like shaking hands. I mean, it just makes sense. All right. Ian's always playing devil's advocate there. And by the devil, I mean the China people. All right, Bobby, you can do this next one. The spokesperson said Beijing had assured Washington that the test was given, quote, in error, and that diplomatic personnel were exempt from the test, which was mandatory for incoming travelers in some parts of China. We have instructed staff to decline this test if it is asked of them, as was done in the past. However, there is no word as to whether the staff can request the anal test specifically. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's the thing is like, if they're saying we gave this in error, then that kind of is admission that they're like, oh, we probably shouldn't have done this. <laughs> so why are they even doing it in the first place? I also like that it said we instructed the staff to decline this test as we have done in the past. Oh, yeah. That's so it's like, they were like, don't take the anal test. And then they were like, but do, yeah. you, do you want me to take the anal test? I can't, I don't understand. Yeah. It, it comes up every time there's like a little riff over tariffs, you know? Yeah. That is, I can't believe, yeah, I didn't catch on to that. I, you know, sometimes yeah. I make, believe it or not, sometimes I make shit up when I write these news stories, but that, that part is, <laughs> but that part is a direct quote so yeah so at some point they were like in the past they were like hey don't take the anal test and then eventually they became loose about the anal test they're like yeah if you want the boss shows up he's like you guys been doing that anal test again (laughs) (laughs) i told you not to do that yeah i I just want to be the guy that finds out afterwards that you could have just politely said no and they'd have been like oh okay (laughs) moving on yeah yeah it's like they were all saying no but there was probably one guy that was like come on man we really need to do this anal test. He kept pushing for it, and it became a thing again. Yeah, these Chinese doctors are coming in with wine and Marvin Gaye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't help it if these Chinese doctors keep seducing all our embassy employees. <laughs> That's how we've lost all of our national secrets over the years, just through yes. seduction. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Ian, you can do the next one. All right, China's foreign minister spokesman, Zhao Lijin, denied Beijing had asked U.S. diplomats in China to undergo anal swab tests. Some Chinese regions have been ordering anal swabs for people under quarantine, including those who arrive from abroad. Authorities say the test can avoid missing infections. Plus, they come out covered in shit. And if you're into feces, then that's a pretty big plus for whoever's performing the test. Now, I don't really understand how it is more accurate to test for COVID through the ass then it would be like directly through the nose. Like, isn't the nose where it fucking the lungs and shit? I mean, I'm no doctor, but wouldn't you think? 
You would think, but I don't know, man, from what I've heard from some people that have taken the nose COVID test, they might volunteer the ass test next time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a fair point. I think you got to get really up into the brain, basically. So the gap between just getting into your nose and getting to your brain is about three to four inches. The gap from getting to your sphincter to your poo is it's a little bit easier to get there. Is that what I'm saying? I'm just and it's funny because I actually said this as a joke on social media. They're like, ah, you can miss me with that Q-tip up my nose shit. I'm not getting tested until they get an anal swab for this shit. <laughs> and fucking here we are. Like they yeah. actually sarcasm always come to reality. Yeah, no shit, dude. Yeah, your jokes are always medically accurate. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> you thought you were dreaming again. That's yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought I was lucid dreaming. <laughs> yeah. I recently flew and came back with some barbecue spices that were in unopened jars. And TSA dumped that shit out onto a little uh, samples of it out onto these two little pieces of paper and put some blue liquid on it and stuff to make sure I didn't have any meth in the barbecue seasonings. Wow. What, really? That's yeah. holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, both jars. Should have just told them to put a little on some chicken. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, don't waste it. Like, test it out on your own. Yeah. To, <laughs> to be fair, though, Bobby, you do have one of those faces. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I asked if we could do the butt test instead. He said no. Yeah, they're like, this could be barbecue sauce, but it could be. It could be mess. <laughs> I'm willing to accept both here. Right. I'm gonna, let me take it home over the weekend, and uh, I'll let you know how talkative I was. If you did invent like a, <laughs> a, a good barbecue sauce that was based on meth, you would fucking become a millionaire instantly, dude. The fucking meth barbecue. You would win all those Memphis barbecue competitions. And yeah, shit. the only thing better than six-hour power, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's not clear how many U.S. diplomats or their family members have gone through the test or how many enjoy them. The State Department spokesperson said it is committed to preserving the, quote, dignity of American diplomats and their families, consistent with the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations and other diplomatic law provisions, and just that it's not cool to put stuff up people's butts if they're not into it. I, I can't imagine there really is... A whole lot of, like, the Vienna Convention has a specific <laughs> thing about not putting stuff up other diplomats' asses. Yeah, there's, like, it. 45 pages of anal yeah, that's, protocol. That's all, yeah. That's what, yeah, that's, the Geneva Convention was all about not shoving shit up people's asses. <laughs> Vienna even has their own sausages, so, you know what I mean? They're doing yeah, something. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you can do the next paragraph. All right. In an online post earlier in February, China's National Health Commission said in some cases, the coronavirus can be more readily detected in anal samples than in throat and nasal samples, but acknowledged rectal swabs are not suitable for mass use because they're inconvenient and unpopular. Well, speak for yourself, China, because <laughs> I've seen some of those porn search results from Pornhub, and I believe like number one, two, and three is like anal scat porn and then some sort of diaper fantasies in some states i'm not going to say yeah. which but it's more popular here than you would think you i'm would sure think. that's the argument they'll be doing at the hague when this fucking comes to <laughs> the international criminal court so here's an idea i mean if they really just want to get fecal samples from all these people we could just swab their cell phones oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. According to the commission's instructions, the anal samples are collected by inserting a cotton swab three to five centimeters in the rectum. 
Reports about anal COVID-19 testing prompted a wave of panic on Chinese social media last month. I just like how Bobby's cell phone comment left us all speechless. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really. we were like, that's yeah. gross and true. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what a lot of people don't know is Bobby used to sneak in a lot of cell phones in prison, too. So he's oh, got yeah. a lot of experience with shit-covered cell phones. Yeah. Yeah, my nickname was T-Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll close it out. China has largely contained the pandemic. Only a handful of cases are reported daily across the country of 1.4 billion people. Its relatively early recovery helped its film industry break records earlier this month during the Lunar New Year holiday. But the authorities remain wary of foreign visitors who could bring new outbreaks. I don't know why the fuck they had to mention the movie industry, but all right. I guess that's the silver <laughs> yeah. They're trying to yeah, move their dick weird, around. Weird flex there. Yeah. No yeah. Shit. Flex. It's like people are getting sodomized, but, you know, their, their film production agencies are doing well. Yeah. But that's, I'm surprised our news doesn't do that and just, like, reference uh, an important news story and then mention the latest Tom Hanks film. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, so, so anyway, the, the point is, if you want to make some movies, go to China. I think that's the whole point of this fucking story. Yeah, they want you to know those anal swabs are really paying off. Yeah, in California and Hollywood, it's just the producers fucking you up the ass. Here, it's just a swab. Yeah, and it was a wild Lunar New Year this year. Yeah, dude. <laughs> We're going to move on to our main segment, Indecorous Deep Dive. We build this show as an educational comedy podcast. We often fall short of the latter, but you always deliver on the former. This week's Deep Dive was written by Bobby. Before we had antipsychotics and other fun pharmaceuticals for mental illness, doctors would drill a hole and literally cut parts of people's brains in an effort to calm them down. Thanks to some help from an article by Amanda Sedlek Hevener. Tonight, we're going to talk about some of the more indecorous parts of the history of lobotomy. And I'm assuming that this Amanda said like heavener, that's just where you got the article, Bobby? Yeah, yeah. I just okay. wanted to give credit where credit is. Yeah, very well, very well. I don't know if it was like somebody that I was supposed to know who that was and I yeah. was feeling embarrassed. Okay. Yeah, you, you don't know Sedlak? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I know Sedlak, just not Sedlak heavener. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, she uh, got married. Oh, shit. Well, see, yeah, same way. Yep. Okay, yep. cool, cool. Yeah, we're Facebook friends. Ian, you can do this first paragraph. All right. In 1935, Portuguese neurologist Antonio Igas Moniz performed a brain operation he called leucotomy, the first of its kind to treat mental illness. It involved drilling holes in the front sections of the skull, then inserting a metal device with a wire attached to destroy some of the tissue of the frontal lobe of the brain. Instead of taking away his medical license, Moniz was awarded a Nobel Prize in medicine in 1949. God damn. Fucking wow. So guys <laughs> like, you know, I can destroy people's brains. There's all this shit that makes them have critical thinking. And we're just going to fucking tinker with that with the wire and erase, erase, erase. And Nobel Prize. Yeah. This is the kind of shit that fucks me up when I try to have arguments with people about just anything that's scientific. Because I think mostly they've been right, at least especially in modern ages. But then they can bring up this shit to be like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, how about this Portuguese dude that was just drilling holes into people's brains with a wire? Uh, yeah. He won the Nobel Prize. I'm like, well, fucking I can't argue that. Yeah. I mean, what what's up with these people? Are they? Uh, oh, so these are just people in insane asylum. 
Yeah. And this and they're like, I, I'm actually they're like, I'm not crazy. Just let me out of here. And they're like, see how crazy they are. Let's drill holes in their head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just had a rough day at work. <laughs> the Nobel Commission must have envisioned some sort of altruistic, you know, use case, you know, for this, you know, procedure, you know. But uh, apparently they were just, you know, doing this, you know, to mostly, you know, housewives that were, you know, a little, you know, little, you know, little rude, you know, little loose on the lips, you know, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, housewives that got too mouthy. Exactly. Well, didn't the inventor of dynamite like win a peace prize or something ridiculous like that? Well, the inventor of dynamite was Nobel. Like that. Okay. Yeah. The Nobel Prize is named after the inventor of dynamite. Well, okay. This, but, this guy but, here who's drilling hole. I mean, the best way, if you say it's just because people were being mouthy, I mean, the best way to make someone be quiet <laughs> is to drill a hole in their head and stick a wire in there. Dude, yeah. I, it's like, this is not too far from, and we've talked about this in past episodes, and I used to do this too as a bit when I was a stand-up comic before I retired. The whole thing, drilling holes into people's skulls, that was a medical technique at one point to cure mental illness because they were like, Oh, yeah, we'll drill a, a, a hole in somebody's skull and then the demons will fly out of their fucking brain because I guess fucking the devil can't make it through bone. So they'll they fucking. Possessed. Yeah, exactly. So they'll fly out. Of, this is not that far off from that. It's, this guy actually just took it to the next step. He was just like, yeah, I'm not only going to drill the hole, I'm going to put a fucking wire in there and, you know, just fucking mush that shit up. That should cure everything. I'll take away the crazy. Well, yeah, no, you know, that, the fact that you get to name the procedure that you come up with really makes me regret not going to medical school. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, just going to name it after yourself. Yeah, I would have had a little more fun with it, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bobby, you can do this next paragraph. Uh, so it turns out that the idea for the procedure stemmed from the ancient practice of uh, trepanning? Tre- oh, trepanning? yeah, trepanning. Yeah, I kind of got ahead of us okay. right here because that's exactly what I was just talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> as, as you do, always talk talking about trepanning, <laughs> um, which involved drilling holes in people's skulls for ritualistic purposes. Archaeologists have found skeletons with trepanning holes that are thousands of years old. It was practiced in ancient Greece, Polynesia, and parts of Asia. Yeah. So again, actually, this is again, going back to what Dusty was saying. If I had mental health issues back in the day when this was the procedure to get rid of mental health issues, there's no way I'm ever admitting I had mental health issues. Right. If people are going to be like, oh, you're feeling kind of depressed. Oh, we're going to have to drill a hole in your head. Like, nah, you know what? I'm feeling good now. Yeah, this is like in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And if you're a lady, this is a really interesting kind of scenario for you, because if you have hysteria, you're either going to get masturbated by a doctor, which is awesome, <laughs> or you're going to get a drill fucking in your skull, which sucks. Dusty, have you heard about that? We did an episode about this a while ago, but that's how they treated women when they were kind of getting out of line. They would masturbate them. Wow. Yeah. How, what did they say? Was it working? They kept coming back for more and more treatment. So. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's how. That's how they kept. Ju- that's how they judged it as success. Is because yeah. all these women orgasming kept coming back for more orgasms. So yeah. that's how. Wow. It was. Well, that does sound a lot better than getting a hole drilled in your head. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. Shit, so could you imagine the conversation at the hair salons back in the day? Like, okay, ladies, we got to go act a little crazy. So we get the good treatment, but not crazy enough to get the bad treatment. <laughs> right, right. That's a fine line yeah. in between yeah. masturbating and getting your head crushed in. Yeah. Right. Susan comes in next week just drooling. Yeah. <laughs> you took a little too far. Uh, all right, Dusty, you can do this next one, Dan. 
American psychologist Walter Freeman took, uh, I don't know how to pronounce anything. We don't either, so. Yeah, took Moniz's ideas and stepped them up a notch. He inserted an instrument resembling an ice pick into patients' eye sockets and <laughs> severed the connections between the front lobe and the rest of the brain, significantly reducing recovery time since it didn't involve drilling a hole into the brain. This became known as transorbital lobotomy. So the selling point in this one is that you'll be able to recover faster from this yeah, one. Yeah, it was the laparoscopic lobotomy of its day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So he would just go into the eye socket and then... <laughs> With a knife. Yeah. Sever the connection. Yeah, and he's just holding an ice pick and a hammer. He's like, yeah, we're just going to use these uh, very simple tools right here. This is like me. I bought this electric cooker the other day and it broke. And then I started taking it apart like I was going to know how to fix it. That's this guy. He's like, well, let me just pop your eye out and then I'll disconnect some things in there. Yeah. I'm just going to turn it off and turn it back on. <laughs> basically. I like and I like how this is basically being sold as an upgrade to what the other dude was doing. I like to show up to a patient. I was like, oh, listen, this is not as bad as the other thing. I just take a fucking ice pick into your eye hole. <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even need a drill. No. But, I mean, when they just, when they start describing the drill, though, I mean, this is a better alternative, it sounds like. <laughs> I just wonder how do they coerce people to do this procedure in the first place? Well, that's yeah, what I'm saying, dude. It's like, oh, yeah, it's not as bad as the other one. Fuck yeah. no. you, they're like, you should have seen what we did to this really horny chick last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Ian, you can do this next one. So once Freeman had simplified his ice pick lobotomy procedure, he could knock out a bunch of them in one day. He once did 20 in a single day, and in 1967, the last of the 2,900 lobotomies he performed throughout his career resulted in the death of the patient when he accidentally severed a blood vessel in the person's brain. So this dude's like the Michael Jordan of lobotomies, right? That's what okay. was on his tombstone, yes. Yeah, yeah. Is this saying the last 2,900 that he did, the patient died? <laughs> no, the, <laughs> no, I think it's like the last of them. Yeah, the last one. And I don't know if that... I don't know if they put him in early retirement or like I would more so like to think that that was just going to be his last one anyway and he just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, he got cocky with it. Yeah. It's one of those things where you start drinking on your last day of work a little too early. <laughs> These kind of things happen, you know. He quit mentally months ago. Yeah, he's like, this is not working. It really doesn't matter what I do here. I think Dusty's suggestion, though, is way more hilarious that he did this 2,900 times. They all, like, you would think after 1,250, they would have been like, dude, I don't think this shit's working. And people are like, are they stupider? Oh, they're dead. Okay, just as good. Yeah, yeah. Dude's just like, give me another 1,700 tries. And if, my, if they're all dead, I'll try harder next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it. Yeah, I'll get it. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> Freeman's patients were also disproportionately women and African Americans. This was because doctors at the time believed women were more likely to still be able to function as caregivers <laughs> after a lobotomy. And according to Freeman's records, African Americans had greater family ties that would help them recover properly from the procedure. 
So, yeah, they they were like, so we're going to have to give this operation to your wife. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's still going to be able to take care of the kid, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing oh, that shit. She's still going to yeah. be able to clean the kitchen, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to fuck my secretary over here. Jesus. <laughs> so I heard this is mostly done to housewives that got out of line and were like a little too lippy in the kitchen or something like that. So that's that's the remedy husbands had back in the day was to just take the lady down to the local lobotomy clinic and just fix her right up. I just yeah, don't but- know how they even would ever test this shit, right? Because you would think the only way you can actually know if this shit works is by doing it to somebody. And who's going to fucking volunteer to do this, to go through well, this procedure? Well, it does seem like the world kind of operated on hunches back then anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a good feeling about this. Yeah, one. yeah. I just, I also like that they said that uh, you had greater family ties that would help them recover properly. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you got family around, you'll be fine. Like, what's the <laughs> yeah. family going to do? What are they doing to help heal this person who's had their eye dug in? They'll yeah, teach you how to count and say your ABCs. Oh, yeah. No, nah, but basically what they're saying is like, uh, oh, you just have people that are going to be willing to wheel your crippled ass after you do <laughs> yeah, this. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah after yeah. we take away your, your ability face. to walk. Yeah, because a white family would be like, all right, we're done with this motherfucker. Yeah. He's just, a black family still gives a shit, so they'll still wheel you around after they cripple you with this surgery. Yeah, and they're like, how's your wife? Well, she's not lippy anymore. That's for sure. (laughs) And they were like, oh, great. And that's how how his friends would fucking react. So it was a success is what you're saying. As long as she's more agreeable. You can do the next one, Dusty. Prior to World War II, there were over 400,000 people in mental institutions. Most people suffering from a mental illness would end up in one. Oh, okay. Yes. The lobotomy was designed to help people suffering from schizophrenia, depression, and compulsive disorders. After the procedure, patients would either be able to function in regular society, be cared for by family, or at least be less of a hassle for the nurse and orderlies in the mental institutions. Yeah. I mean, that sounds basically it was what they're going for. It was just like, all right, this motherfucker's a pain in the ass. At the very <laughs> least, he's not going to be a pain in the ass anymore. Yeah. 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 You might still be a pain in the ass, but at least you're going to be quieter, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see the breakdown of those statistics because, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to wager that maybe only 1% of the patients would be functioning members of society and like right. 99% of them were just less of a pain in the ass to treat in the hospitals. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about now. I want to meet who are the ones... That- that they're classifying as functional in regular society. Like they came out better. New and improved. Yeah. It's like, hey, he's a greeter at Walmart. He's super functional. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just give those jobs to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it hard to believe that you had such mental illness that you would end up in a mental asylum and then they dig around in your brain with an ice pick and you're like, oh, actually, I'm really good for society now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like you're going to put that on your resume at the next job application. Like, hey, special skills. Oh, I've had my brain drilled with an ice pick. <laughs> yeah, I used to be crazy, but not anymore. Not after that head drill. <laughs> I can live up to my full potential. Yeah, let me deal with those people. Special skills can take an ice pick through the eye hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to take this next one. Throughout the 40s, 40,000 people were lobotomized in the U.S., including 5,000 in 1949 alone. It was no longer reserved for extreme cases and was even performed on a four-year-old kid. Jesus. 
One infamous lobotomy in 1960 involved a 12-year-old boy who was lobotomized for the quote-unquote crime of refusing to go to bed on time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That'll teach him. Yeah, I guess so. He'll fucking be sleeping for most of the rest of his life at this point. Because, <laughs> you know, there's, there's always yeah. like something where, where the mother always counts down to three. She goes, like, you know, three, two, or they count down from like 10, 10, 9, 8. And then when they get to one, you always wonder what happens. But the kid always just sits down and shuts the fuck up way before she gets to the number she's counting to. Maybe this is what happens. I'm, I'm guessing that insurance must have started covering them like shortly before this. And then they're just doling them out left and right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, oh, this is getting paid for. All right. Yeah, let's give it to the 12 year old. I will say whoever this 12 year old boy's uh, friends were, were probably behaved as fuck after yeah, they dude. did this shit on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like Ian said. It's like that when the parent got to one and then it was a lobotomy, <laughs> yeah. the rest of the kids are like, never let it yeah. get to one. You can play around to about yes. four or five, yeah. but do not yeah, let it get to one. You don't want to play yeah, chicken with that motherfucker. Yeah, you're going to yeah. catch an ice pick through the eye socket. <laughs> All right, Bobby, you can do this next one. So rather than risk potential embarrassment for the family, Joe Kennedy had his daughter Rosemary lobotomized. She was the slowest mentally in the family after suffering a brain injury at birth. And once she became an adult, her outbursts led her father to seek treatment. Uh, Rosemary's lobotomy left her unable to walk or speak properly. And as a result, she spent the rest of her life hidden away in a residential care facility. Her plight inspired her sister Eunice to create the Special Olympics. All right. See, so actually something good came out of it. <laughs> well, it was like... I mean, it's like, apparently they let this kid get their brain injured when they were a, yeah. a baby. And then they said at birth, but something happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. And then and then he sends her away to a facility. And then her sister gets all this credit. Her sister's like, well, my sister's in a home, so I'll create Olympics. <laughs> yeah, they, they conveniently leave out the part where her dad signed her up to become retarded. You know? Yeah, they keep yeah. injuring her brain. And then they're like, you know what? Now we'll put you in a home. Yeah. Why not just send her away from the well, beginning? Well, this is, this is how competitive the Kennedys were, man. It's like, all right, she's obviously not going to win the real Olympics. We got to create a special yeah. Olympics where she might still be oh, able yeah. to win a gold. You still have to win a gold medal one way or another if you're a Kennedy. Yeah, you're going to be champion of the retard. Maybe a little yeah. insult on top of injury if you're the girl that got lobotomized and the sister was always the favorite, and now she creates the Special Olympics, and you're the one that had the ice picture. <laughs> yeah. <brain>. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they're like, listen, you won, but Eunice created this. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't because Eunice did yeah. this for you. Yeah. yeah. You won, but Eunice really won. <laughs> but I mean, what it does show you, and it is fucking scary, is that because you, you think about this, how barbaric this shit is, and it is. But if the fucking Kennedys are doing it, then even the upest echelons of American society thought this thing was legit. It was a life hack for getting, yeah. you know, annoying people to kind of get get in line, apparently. Well, and they were buying into it because, you know, you would think, like, you hear shit like this, and they're like, oh, okay, so they were doing this with, like, poor people and fucking people that nobody gives a fuck. But if the fucking Kennedys thought this was a big deal, then I was like, all right, apparently that was considered legitimate at some point. Well, dude, that case that they were talking about earlier was in 1967. Oh, wow. We had somehow, we were a few years past signing the Civil Rights yeah, Act, no and they were still doing this mm -hmm. shit. I mean, it's it sounds like they were like, uh, this is the best way to deal with your problems, right? You're like, you got to uh, 
kid that acts up, you send it away, and you go, hey, we had no way of knowing. We had no way of knowing they would end up like this. Yep, and uh, yep. Right, and Dusty, you can do this next one. Lobotomies weren't just for helping famous families avoid embarrassment. Nearly 2,000 World War II veterans received the procedure, often against their will. After they were diagnosed with depression, schizophrenia, and psychosis, all of which have symptoms overlapping with what we now call post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, dude. It's like, congratulations, you survived a war. Now we're going to ice pick <laughs> yeah, your eyes. That's right. Yeah. That's, the, yeah, that, that's your well, prize. It's just good that we learned from that mistake and have treated veterans like wonderfully <laughs> ever since. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Dignity to have these days is amazing compared. Yeah. All right, Ian, you can close it out. All right. Although the procedure did actually help some patients, more often than not, it had drastic consequences that resulted in patients becoming zombie-like versions of themselves. While Rosemary Kennedy's ordeal was the most famous, there are many stories of lobotomy patients not being able to walk, talk, or perform simple tasks after the procedure. While most of North America and Europe view the lobotomy as archaic and barbaric procedure, some countries still practice it to this day. I did not know that. Reserving it for the most violent patients in India, Japan, Sweden, and Australia. Huh, so this I, is like the last yeah. resort life hack if... Your mental patients just being a little bit too lippy and you just they're throwing their their feces on the wall and you're just like you know god damn it we gotta do something i mean again just to play devil's advocate here they're saying they're reserving it for the most violent patients who knows what that means i mean that's a problem in and of itself because who the fuck determines who's gone yeah. over the line but if it were like okay this person is a mass murderer rapist or i was like all right then i'll be like okay i guess i can agree that it's better but I mean, I mean, actually, that that just brings up another question: Is it more humane to turn that person into a zombie, or to just give them the death sentence? You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying basically is like this is the only example where I can see this justified. If it's, if it's somebody that's like, if we don't do something, this person's gonna keep killing people. Yeah, you're like, listen, I don't want to be responsible for killing you. I'll just mess you up for the rest of your <laughs> right. Life. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna jab in this ice pick and swirl it around. I can see this being like people yeah. who get you know the criminally insane charge, so they don't get tried for the crime or convicted for the crime. They're like, oh, we're just going to say, you know, mistrial, they're criminally insane. Well, in that case, maybe the lobotomy is the right cure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, no, nah, I did it. I did it. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, <laughs> totally, yeah, you're like, actually, I am totally sad. Yeah. I am yeah. completely sad. <laughs> just having fun, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a good question for us, I think, about if the, the, the two options are you get 30 years in prison before death row because usually you're on this huge wedding list before they give you the gas chamber or whatever. Or you can go ahead and get the lobotomy now and you're just a drooling, slobbering version of yourself. Would you take the, the prison with a shortcut to death row or would you just take the ice pick to the brain? I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is how aware are you of who you are once they do this shit to you? The cruelest thing would be like, if you actually, there is some awareness in you that like, oh man, I used to be a fucking badass and then now look at me. As opposed to just being completely unaware of like, oh, whatever. You know It'd be like a vivid dream where you can't do anything because you yeah, have no powers. Everything goes back to the fucking <laughs> lucid dreaming, dude. Yeah. 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 You go to the mental institution, you get uh, ice picks in the eyes and you go to prison and you get anal swabs. You know? Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to move on to our last segment of the podcast. It's Indecorous Laws. 
every week or whenever we feel like it we highlight some of the oddest laws in different states of the united states of america most of these were real laws at least at some point some of them have since been repealed and others are sadly still on the books one of these might be unverified although i'm pretty sure i verified all of these this week we're doing south carolina now i'm not sure are you originally from south carolina dusty i just know that when i first heard of you you were in charleston no, I lived there for 10 years, but I grew up in Alabama. Oh, is that right? See, I did not yeah. know. Did you start comedy in Charleston, though? Yes. Right on, man. We usually go in alphabetical order, but since I knew you had South Carolina connections, we are doing South Carolina this week in honor of our guest, Dusty Slay. And Bobby, you can do this very first one. It is unlawful for a minor under the age of 18 to play a pinball machine. Yes. Wow. Yeah. How old were you when you moved to South Carolina? Uh, 21, so I got to play all the pinball I wanted. That's right, that's right. So you, you didn't have to. High stakes pinball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 10 grand to play. Yeah, it's a good thing you, you were from Alabama where anything goes with pinball. Like it's fucking, right. yeah, it's the wild west of pinball in fucking Alabama. Yeah, I mean, you gotta be at least 14, but. So it must be so addictive that the kids were just pissing away all their parents' money and someone got pissed and decided to make a wall, right? I don't know when it is that, you know, again, I don't know when all these laws were made but it probably is one of those things where anytime there's a new technology all the old people assume it's the devil you know like i'm sure like when radio came along oh, you can't listen to the radio it's the devil and then television and then pinball and i'm pretty sure that's probably what it was like oh these kids they're gonna start playing pinball they won't pay attention to the they won't say their prayers and go to school yeah yeah then they started wanting to give lobotomies to children and they welcomed it with open arms yeah, yeah. those are the stories we didn't get to all the kids that got lobotomies because they were playing too much pinball <laughs> yeah. all right ian you can do this next one all right a male over the age of 16 was guilty of a misdemeanor if he seduced an unmarried woman using deception and promise of marriage, the law was repealed in 2016. Yeah, so up to about four, I guess five years ago, if you were a male over the age of 16, because that was also part of it, you couldn't seduce an um, unmarried woman used telling her that you were going to marry her. I think this is a great law, and I think like in the in the middle of the Me Too movement, South yeah. Carolina was like, you know what? Let's get rid of that law. Yeah. It was too, it's like too woke. so dudes are coming along, going, "Have sex with me, and I'll marry you." And then the girl does it, and he's like, "I'm just kidding." And then yeah. South Carolina's like, "Let's get rid of that." Huh? Yeah. yeah, dude. Around the same time, the New Jersey state legislature, I remember seeing in the in the news had a law going where, like, you could be charged with a crime if you just, like, pretended like you, like, had, like, more, like, money, like, 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 than you, like, like, did or something to try to, like, pick up women. Oh, really? Like, it was, like, 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 yeah, it was, it was, they were trying to make some deception law around the idea of some guy acting like he was a baller. Isn't that every single laid. dude in the Jersey Shore, though? Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm okay with pretending to have more money, not pretending to that you'll marry them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would have, as a stand-up comic, I would have never gotten laid if I just was fucking absolutely honest about my bank account. Fuck no. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right, right. You're like, just before we go out, I just want you to know that I want to show you my bank statements. Yeah. I am totally broke. This date is going to wipe me out. Out, but uh, <laughs> I'm spending it on you, baby. Yeah. yeah. Before you consent, let me give you this financial disclosure. <laughs> yeah, this seems very like a, an old-timey law where the, the courtship that had the promise of marriage was very appealing to the young ladies of the day. 
But in the 21st century, well, the promise of marriage seems more like punishment than anything else. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, they needed that law back then, too. Because, I mean, if you were a young woman that wasn't a virgin anymore, they would, they would just, like, burn you at the stake. Wasn't that the yeah, alternative? they gave you a fucking lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Dusty, you can do this next one now. Uh, in Hilton Head, South Carolina, it is illegal to store trash in your car. <laughs> yeah, see, this never would have worked for me either as a road comic because I was just constantly throwing shit in the back seat of my car. Oh, yeah. Well, this seems I've been to Hilton Head and this seems like people just getting together and being like, listen, no more of these trashy cars around here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of remind me of those places that are like trying to say something without specifically saying it. Like they'll have a dress code that says like no baggy pants, no do rags, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, no solid color T-shirts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you're eating, say, Ruth's Chris, you're probably not getting it to go and throwing the wrappers in the back. <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, so it's this is for like the pores. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a law to get you pulled over. The cops like, yeah, so you had a couple of fast food bags yeah. in the back seat there. <laughs> to make sure they're full and you're not storing trash in here. That's right. I, and I, I actually, when I read this, uh, the justification for it that they were talking, I was like, it might attract rats. <laughs> Which I think rats just meant human beings that are poor. I think that's what they thought. Yeah. <laughs> that was just a code name. Yeah, for poor basically. <laughs> All right, I'll do this last law. And any persons who shall have carnal intercourse with each other within the following degrees of relation to wit, a man with his mother, grandmother, daughter, granddaughter, stepmother, sister, grandfather's wife, son's wife, grandson's wife, wife's mother, wife's grandmother, wife's daughter, wife's granddaughter, Brother's daughter, sister's daughter, father's sister, or mother's sister, or a woman with her father, grandfather, son, grandson, stepfather, brother, grandmother's husband, daughter's husband, granddaughter's husband, husband's father, husband's grandfather, husband's son, husband's grandson, brother's son, sister's son, father's brother, or mother's brother shall be guilty of incest and shall be punished by fine of not less than $500 of imprisonment not less than one year in penitentiary or both. Are you just going to go through all of my category searches? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, this is just all fucking uh, Bobby's Pornhub search history. So basically, this is their incest law. And I read through all of this, and I know I read it really fast, but if you notice, it's a man with basically every female family member you can concoct and a woman with every male family member you can concoct no law for same sex. Same sex. Yeah. Oh. Ah, see what I'm saying? That's, so that's why I read it. Life hack number one. I think I found <laughs> life hack number two. It said carnal intercourse specifically. So if you said this is like more of like a, you know, playing doctor or doing some sort of a, <laughs> a medical thing or just testing the equipment, maybe that's the hack. I, I just love how detailed it is. They're like, listen, I don't want any excuses <laughs> yeah. here, okay? It's like they've, had, they've gone through so many cases. Well, it's like, well, it didn't say anything about husband's grandson's uncle. <laughs> Look, That's exactly what I was looking at. Yeah. Husband's grandson. It's like, okay. Yeah, can, can I fuck your grandfather? <laughs> What's the world come to? This does give an interesting out on certain cousin fuckers, so to speak. Because I think that the question yeah. about incest, does it go into like the second and third cousin territory? Maybe this is where they can say, see, see, it's not incest. 
Yeah, you're like, listen, that's my uncle's kid. You know what I mean? That's- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just make it as fucking arcane as you can. You can't even get back to it. My husband's uncle's sisters, whatever. Yeah, I think you should. I mean, anytime you have to like reference an incest law to justify your behavior, you've already lost <laughs> yeah. that battle. Yeah, or when you go like, I and I still even don't even understand the old. It's like, as my third cousin twice removed i'm like i don't even know what the fucking math is on that what when it do you yeah. guys know what it is to, what i do is i that? do if she's what a nine is, or of course, above of course you do <laughs> if she's a nine or above it's good to go bro <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah you could always go hey we didn't even know each other growing up <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> all right guys that is the podcast thank you so much for doing the podcast dusty appreciate this was great being... i appreciate it this is a fun podcast it's fun because you were here man i appreciate it dude yeah thank you dusty it was great to have yeah, you this man. is awesome so i've been asking this to everybody we've had on the podcast what have you been up to in the past year with all this covid shit man you've been able to get out there i know tennessee's been uh, are you still i'm assuming you're still in nashville right yeah, I mean, I got to do lots of shows, actually. I mean, I would just go where clubs were open. I mean, like, uh, I got offered to do a club in Dallas in May. Mm-hmm. And then I would do, I did, like, Utah and Alabama. And, you know, and then uh, and then I got shut down again. And, like, August, I went to Rhode Island. And, you know, so I just would go where places would open up. And So you've been able to keep busy then. That's cool, dude. Yeah. And then, you know, I just I learned more how to edit videos and got fairly popular on TikTok. So, you know, it paid off in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, too, because yeah. we, we've kind of been talking about that, but it's been kind of in between segments. So I, it might not make it to the final. So like just so it, we make sure that it is out there, you've been doing more social media shit, like like you said, like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and you have your own podcast, too, right? Yeah, so I just kept the podcast going. It's the We're Having a Good Time podcast. And yeah, now I'm filming it. So I just take what I film. I've cut up some clips and then I try to, you know, try to tell a story and then I try to add in pictures or videos to make that story, you know, more come to life. That's cool, man. So like you start talking about a subject, but you expand on it more in the other, like YouTube or Instagram about a certain subject that you already brought before on your podcast and things. Yeah. And, and I find that I can tell a story on the podcast, but if I, if I just set up my camera to record a video, then I'm like, I don't know, my whole energy changes. And I feel like I got to do, you know, I got to be up in the camera or whatever, but if, if I'm doing the podcast then I'm just telling a story, so then it comes right. off better. That's great, dude. Yeah. So you like that dynamic then? Yeah, I think that's it's really helped me. And then I can just, you know, I can do long form on the podcast, but then, you know, I can edit it and edit out the amount of times I say, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, I like to do and, uh, a lot. And then I don't always finish that. I just go and, uh, and then that just kind of ends. Oh my God. I'm so, <laughs> Move I can, on. so, I'm so glad you just said that, dude, because in the past two episodes, because I edit these podcasts. And I cut out every single one of Ian's you knows because he says you knows like a <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. And, yeah. And then Bobby says like like a million times yeah. per. So I cut them all out, but I fucking save them and then I <laughs> compile them and then I play them back to humiliate them. And oh yeah, and, and we never learn our lesson. That still doesn't stop them, but I <laughs> but I but I do it. I yeah, actually I, do edit all that shit out of the podcast. 
Wow. Yeah, I sound like a 14-year-old girl in here so often. It's, uh, it's a wonder Ian hasn't tried to fuck me yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dusty, man, where can people check you out, dude? What are your social medias and all that stuff? Well, I have my Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter all at Dusty Slay. Right on. Uh, my YouTube, if you just type in Dusty Slay, it, it'll be there. It'll be there with a picture of me waving. Okay. Uh, and then Facebook. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, too, Dusty Slay Comedy. But my website, DustySlay.com, I always keep my website up to date or any of those social medias. I have a link in my bio that would take you to my calendar. Perfect. But I mean, yeah, end of March, 25th to the 28th, I'll be in Tampa, Florida. First of April, I'll be in Phoenix, Arizona. And then April 15th to the 17th, Omaha, Nebraska. Right on, dude. All right, Dusty, man. You take care, brother. I hope to see you on the road sometime soon, my friend. All right. Thank you. Hi, Bobby. And, you know, as far as, you know, yeah, so there, uh, why, uh, 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 I mean, I'll just, I got any last words? That's good, man. It keeps getting better every week, dude. Yeah, I just, what I do is I just, I practice by having less and less going on. That's perfect. And how about you, Ian? You got any last words? You know, all this talk about ice pick to brains has made me kind of hungry. I think I'm going to go have myself a dessert. Of brains or ice? <laughs> I mean. All right, guys. Well, that's the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, as we say every week, we have a Patreon. But here's the thing. We've made it even easier to access our Patreon. Bobby, how have we made this easier for us? <laughs> Well, uh, now, instead of going to patreon.com slash indecorous comedy, which I'm not even sure if that's the website. No, it is, it is, but, but it okay, is very it complicated. Is. See how complicated it was? You weren't yeah. even sure that it, that's it's what very, it was. And, and everybody knows if I don't know something, then, you know, it can't be true or it's too difficult. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so now you can just go to themshits.com. Themshits.com. Themshits. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I did that like as though I had to spell it like indecorous. Well, no, you gotta you gotta do themshits.com because otherwise people might be like, uh, oh, it's them's hits or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, them's hits. No, it's themshits.com. Yeah. We couldn't have possibly made it any easier to go to our Patreon. That's right. And as we've mentioned before, we have all kinds of tiers, but even if you're just donating at the three dollar tier, you get all the bonus extras, which we've had one every single week now for the last month and we have bonus episodes and there are still plenty of more bonus material to come there's probably going to be bonus material just from this episode that didn't make it to the final cut but you can join us there at themshits.com how do you spell themshits.com bobby <laughs> that's just like how exactly. it sounds so it's, much easier yeah. than this one right yeah t-h-e-m-s-h-i-t-s.com all right everybody thank you for listening we'll catch you next week welcome back Oh, too high. Now I can't do anything productive. <laughs>